2: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Friday edition, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We are going to hopefully send all of you into the weekend filled with fire, vigor, brimstone, and happiness. That's a lot of different, uh, a lot of different uh, emotions to try to bring to, to task, but we will do that today. Uh, we appreciate all of you hanging out with us. A bunch of stuff to get into. Um, We've got Robert Menendez charged with felony bribery. We're going to lay out some of those details and make a connection between what Menendez's wife was alleged to have been doing alongside of what Hunter Biden was doing for the Biden crime family and talk about those aspects. John Fetterman tears up and cries uh, as he discusses the fact that he has difficulty processing information, speaking, auditory issues. That's... Kind of a big reason why he doesn't belong in the United States Senate. We will discuss also uh, the, uh, the debates as we get ready for Wednesday debates and begin to discuss them. Gavin Newsom is going to be involved. He's going to be physically present. What in the world is going on here? It's just a weird sort of lurking aspect of this primary season. What is California's governor doing? All of that and more, but we begin with the news of Robert Menendez, who is the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee in the Senate, charged yet again with felonies. Uh, he beat the prior felony charges, I believe, back in 2010, when a hung jury refused to convict him. Democrat senator from New Jersey. Here is Bill Hemmer, Dana Perino, announcing those charges. The U.S. attorney for the Southern District out of New York set to announce the unsealing of an indictment in the charging of U.S. Senator Robert Menendez, the senior yet senator from the state of New Jersey, and his wife, Nadine, with bribery offenses in connection with their corrupt relationship, they say, of three businessmen out of New Jersey.
5: Six years ago, he had similar charges that were... Basically, it resulted in a hung jury, Mm -hmm. so charges were dismissed. At that time, in 2018, they said that that that's when this one case ended. But in the indictment today, they say this new corrupt relationship began around 2018. So that would have been the same year.
2: The cockiness here, Buck. Mm -hmm. If you beat felony charges as a sitting United States senator, and you nearly uh, narrowly avoided going to prison most people would say hey maybe i dial it back here's a couple of the details uh there are photos out there he was evidently paid in bricks of gold uh which is which that's is that's how crazy. i prefer to be paid yes.
5: just to be clear if anyone you know is asking Anybody me, out there I like wants my to bribe you. Of gold uh
2: and here i'm reading from the indictment and again these are allegations uh over 480,000 dollars in cash much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing, closets, and a safe was discovered in the home, along with $70,000 in a safe deposit box. Some of the envelopes contain the fingerprints and or DNA of uh, these individuals who are accused alongside as co-defendants of basically a large bribery scheme that involved providing favors in particular to Egypt. Buck, what is your reaction when you see these charges come out uh on Menendez, who it should uh, be uh, again reinforced is a sitting United States Senator of the a member of the Democrat Party who says that he will not resign; he will stay in office. Your thoughts?
5: The recklessness of continuing to do anything even vaguely shady as a senator who has been indicted, a Democrat senator, mind you. You know, so there's a special threshold here, right? This isn't. Yeah. This isn't uh, a Ted Stevens situation for those who remember what happened there, where they went after him for not, you know, reporting fully repairs done on his home or something. And they and, hid, and ex-
2: hid evidence. And hid, that's, hid, the well, right, that's
5: what I was going to say. It hid exculpatory evidence. They knew that he actually thought he wasn't doing anything wrong and they didn't care and they tried to get him anyway. And then they lost a Republicans lost a Senate seat. That Senate seat was then Part of, uh, what was necessary to get all of Obamacare through. Anyway, um, Clay, it's, uh, it's quite a thing to watch because a Democrat is going to have a higher threshold of guilt. I'm sorry. I just think that that's true to get indicted in the first place. To come along with a second indictment is quite a, uh, quite a show of brazenness here. And the fact that he, he's accused of giving you know, here's what, what ends up happening in these cases, because I followed the Bob McDonald case very closely. Not a lot of people yeah. did, but I, I found that fascinating. Um, and I ended up being right. Even a lot of conservatives, this is like over a decade ago, but they were, people were arguing with me and I was saying, guys, yes, it's gross that his wife accepted a Rolex or something from someone, kind of, when he was the governor, but he didn't do anything. Right. He didn't promise anything and he didn't do anything. So yeah, should he probably not accept those gifts or at least list those gifts so it's public knowledge or whatever? Sure, but to go after him for honest services fraud, which they're going after Menendez for here, there has to be a fraud, right? It can't just be because now you get into and this is what Scalia said in the nine o slapdown. There's a nine o slapdown yep. of those charges. You know, if someone gives you a good restaurant at a table because you're the governor, is that are you violating the law? I mean, you right. know, right, there has to be more than. So now, in this case with Menendez, based on the allegations, unproven yet in court, and presumption of innocence does still matter. I feel like we're often losing that these days in society. Um, but Clay, when they're giving you gold bricks and envelopes of money, and you're <sighs> passing along sensitive information to you know allegedly to the government of Egypt to help the government of Egypt with things they're not supposed to know, and when you're promising to do favors. If that is not corruption and bribery, nothing is corruption and bribery. So if these things are true, he's in a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah. And what I would also point out, I think, I think it is worth drawing an analogy here. The FBI and the Department of Justice raided Menendez's homes. They were able to find these envelopes of cash, these gold bars. They put together this incredible conspiracy case that they have now brought out. Again, these are allegations. I think it's worth asking, okay, why did none of this happen with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, right? Because effectively what it appears uh, Menendez was doing was using his wife as the locus to be receiving payment for his actions. That's what the Biden crime family did with Hunter. And if you go in and actually look at the under oath testimony that has been made so far, the IRS agents said that Hunter Biden was being tipped off and that they weren't allowed to actually conduct raids on his property to be able to uncover more evidence of his criminal culpability. To my knowledge, Buck, there has never been any raid of any of Joe Biden's properties. Now, they went and searched after the classified documents were found. But this is, in Menendez, they basically are just crushing him for what appears to be very similar behavior between his wife and Hunter Biden's activities.
5: I mean, can you imagine if the FBI did a full on raid of a back in the day of Hunter Biden stuff? Oh, without, what they would have found. What they would have found would have been. I mean, Buck, remember, I mean, the only
2: have, reason we know this stuff is because he actually just handed his laptop yes. over and then refused to pay for it when he was asked to pay for it. I mean, uh, like the, the recklessness he turned there himself is, in. You know, at some at
5: some point, um, you know i i, I like uh, there's the jordan peterson thing that i i makes the rounds in the internet where he says no one really gets away with anything meaning okay maybe you get away with it in some context but eventually and you know hunter's gone through his life protected because of who his dad is and so he hasn't really had to exercise judgment and develop the skills of a person that uh and, and you know deal with the consequences which a big part of judgment yes. is consequence right a big part right. of judgment is Learning, you know, I touched that stove, I burned my hand, I'm not going to do that again. And I think Hunter Biden in a sense is, is kind of a political brat and, and you see that, um, be in the way that this has all gone down on the, on the Menendez thing though, bring it back to that for a second. Uh, he had a hung jury before. Interestingly, he was tied to this guy, Melgin, Remember this? Who was a, a doctor, an eye doctor here in Florida. And he went away for, I think he got 17 years. Or Medicare fraud and uh, Trump at the very end commuted him commuted his sentence So he was going to serve 17 years and Donald Trump it, you know a Democrat supporting a Democrat there with Menendez Trump came along and thought that that was too harsh or or whatever uh, and commuted it but Melgan has been on the radar of the feds this whole time so for me this is kind of like you know Maybe because I'm watching The Sopranos. You ever watch The Sopranos? Oh, I, I love it. it. It's a great show. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually in the midst of The Sopranos right now. To me, this is a little bit like if Tony Soprano finds out, when he finds out that the feds are on him, they try to like, you know, bring the heat down or whatever. It's like Menendez found out the fed, I mean, they indicted him and he was like, yeah, business as usual. Let's go right back to the well on this one, which it feels like it's almost a compulsion at that point. Like it, it, something is wrong with this guy. Do you know what I mean? You're, yeah, the, you're the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. You're a high-profile guy.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's probably just a belief that the rules don't apply to him. That's because right. Because if you already beat the charges once, you think that you have the power, the cachet, the the the, the panache to be able to continue this behavior. But again, this, this, this kind of comes yeah.
5: Yeah, I would just want I don't want to interrupt your train of thought. Just one thing I'm already thinking about is his best maneuvering right now instead of yeah there'll be legal maneuvering but his best defense is going to be um making sure that joe biden is prepared to to pardon him at the end like whatever political maneuvering he can do is going to be to make sure that he's lined up for a part what does he have on joe you know this is where that stuff this is where the old potomac two-step makes a big difference
2: i also when i saw these charges buck couldn't help but think new jersey almost elected a republican governor What did it come down to? Like 20,000 votes or something like that? Shockingly
5: close. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In 2021 would have been a huge upset. Um, and they would never have brought these charges on Menendez if there were a Republican governor. That was my, that was one of my first thoughts. Uh, so Menendez doesn't have the protection partly because if they have to replace him, they'll just throw another Democrat in. Um, and so, you know, in a 51 49 Senate, if there were a Republican governor, I don't think they would have ever charged him because then the Republican governor could appoint a Republican. And you're talking about control of the United States Senate truly being at an even tally where suddenly Kamala Harris has to continue to break the tie uh, on any kind of issues. Now, I don't think really the Senate's going to be able to pass anything over the next uh, year and a half uh, until we go through the 2024 election. But I do think this this raises the biggest issue. And I know we've talked about this some, but I think we need to keep hammering it home so much prosecutorial decision-making is everything when it comes to who gets charged and what they get charged for. And we don't talk enough about that, I think, as a collective media, because I think a lot of people don't really understand the process of investigations. But, fuck you, me, and every person out there listening to us right now could be charged with a crime, even if you think you are the cleanest uh, almost honest living person on the planet, if the full might of the federal government decided to investigate every tax return you've ever filed, decided to look into every maneuver that you've ever made in your life, they would find something that you have done that is improper. So when you don't go after egregious wrongdoing like Hunter Biden and Buck, we, we talked a little bit off the air about the quid pro quo. To me, when there's a WhatsApp message, saying to a Chinese foreign entity, if you don't do give me this money right now, then my dad and the entire Biden family will ensure that you regret it for every day, basically, I'm paraphrasing, the rest of your life. That's pretty close to a quid pro quo. And Burisma getting uh, the prosecutor fired that they didn't like is pretty close to a quid pro quo. The evidence against Joe Biden seems to me, having read the indictment of Menendez, every bit as consequential, as the evidence against Menendez. Yeah. When you think about the millions of dollars, the payments, the fact that it was wired it very shadily I, through all I these mean, different okay. transactions.
5: I, I, I mean, okay, hold on. We, we didn't, <laughs> i got to back that up a little bit. We didn't find $400,000 in cash stashed in envelopes. That's clearly not being declared, I might add. But um, Hunter or,
2: got millions of dollars in cash. We don't know how he got it all and didn't oh, no. declare it or pay it.
5: The the Hunter stuff, Yeah, I'm talking about for Joe Biden. Oh, like
2: oh. It, Well, but the difference is because it's the wife, right? Like the wife is being connected directly. I'm saying Hunter was doing it. Maybe it was smarter because Jill Biden's not the fall girl, uh, here, but Hunter was doing effectively what the wife of Menendez was doing, in my opinion.
5: It's a shame too, because Jill Biden's a doctor. So clearly
2: she knows better. That's a a, a doctor would never engage in behavior. Never make such mistakes. Um, by the way, speaking of mistakes, 50% decline in testosterone. Overall failure, I'm sure you saw Joe Biden. Can't even figure out how to get off the stage. Forgot to shake the hands of the Brazilian uh, uh, leader. This guy needs testosterone. He needs a lot more than testosterone. But I don't know that we've ever had a White House with a lower amount of testosterone in it. We're down 50% compared to what your grandfather's great-grandfather's had. Not good. Uh, if you want all-natural testosterone recovery, how about going to Chalk? CHOQ is the website 35% off for life if you use my name, Clay, as the code. You know what else is pretty cool about this? Three months of using their all-natural supplements, your testosterone levels will increase by 20%. How much difference could that make make in terms of the energy in your life? Why not go check it out? Join so many people who are making the decision to try to put their testosterone levels back at an apex level like it should have been. More energy, more vitality, more ability to get work done Check it out today, C-H-O-Q. That's C-H-O-Q. Use my name, Clay, for 35% off subscriptions for life. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
1: and Getty Show to start listening.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny.
5: About, uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, uh, for, for some of the, uh, the old timers out there who have seen markets come and go, seen stock markets rise and fall and everything. They were skeptical of a lot of crypto and they were right. Um, the only crypto. Oh, anyway, I, I won't get it. Cause you know, the crypt- crypto people are very, they're very fervent in their, in their beliefs. Bitcoin. No is a little different than just the general crypto. I live in Miami, folks, okay? I can't tell you how many people I know who are driving around in Lamborghinis because they basically pumped and dumped some crypto that's worthless now. I mean, that that's a common thing here. Um, but NFTs, non-fungible tokens, this is when they were selling the digital image of a thing for money. And I remember thinking, this is the this is the peak of American tulip mania in 2020 you know 2019 yeah. 2020 and clay what what's the market worth right now
2: they're, 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 we got an article up at outkick i was just reading 95 of all nfts are now completely worthless like the, there just isn't a market and for people out there a lot of you i understand because i i looked into this it's basically a digital image for people out there who are like what is an nft like you could buy a painting. And you could hang it on your wall and you could be like, oh, this is unique, or, you know, whatever. The NFT was a digital version. So it might, sports NFTs were very popular then, Buck. They were selling for crazy amounts. It'd be like somebody dunking a basketball. Somebody would buy that NFT. And the idea was they were restricting how many versions of those NFTs were. But I had the same take as you. I'm like, why would I want a digital image that I can find anywhere? Like, what is the value? It was all made up, and the entire industry has basically collapsed. There is no industry. Um And a lot of people lost massive amounts of money. And it was also sort of that whole Robin Hood era mm-hmm. buck when everybody was at home and kind of bored and just looking for things to spend mm-hmm. money on because the government gave them so much. That was one of the things that got inflated.
5: It's worth remembering if something makes no sense, it's probably not a good idea to put money into it. You want to sleep on comfortable sheets every night? That makes a lot of sense. Not stiff or scratchy ones. With all the options out there, how do you find the best? Well, you can start by going to My Pillow, where they're having a sale right now on their per-kale sheets. Don't worry if you haven't heard the term before. Per-kale is a type of weave that gives you a cool, crisp feel. They're breathable and very durable. Save more than 60% off when you visit their website, where you'll find queen-size sheets for just 35 bucks a set. And twin sets are just $25. Every set comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Sleep on these for two months before having to make a decision if, there are, if they aren't some of the most comfortable sheets you'll ever sleep on. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special Square to get the MyPillow per kale sheets for as low as $25 for a twin set or $35 for a queen set. Enter our names as the promo code Clay and Buck or call 800-792-3269 for this special and many more.
2: We are joined now by Tom Homan, the former acting director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, he's worked in border security, immigration enforcement for 35 years, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. We may well get record numbers of illegal crossings all time in the next week or so, Tom. I'm sure you're paying attention to this. Have you ever seen it this bad, and did you ever think no, it, no, it was no. even possible to get this bad? You know, I knew
6: this administration moved to the left. I didn't think they'd lose their minds, but the numbers are historic, right? The first year under Biden, historic, never never, never uh, seen numbers before in history of the nation. And the second year, we shattered that, created a new historic record, and right now we're on a glide path to create a new historic uh, year in illegal immigration. And remember... They went from the most secure border in my lifetime to historic three years of illegal immigration.
5: Hey, Tom, it's Buck. Always appreciate you being with us. And, you know, you're a guy who has been on the ground and working on this issue for many, many years in the past. So I want to ask it as it pertains to the situation right now. What happens? So like we saw a train load earlier this week, literal train loads of single adult male migrants were coming to the border. They, I've seen them they walk into the country they'll basically flag down border patrol what happens then and who doesn't get to stay at this point at least initially like who's being turned away because it feels like with these numbers almost everyone's being let in
6: that's what they, uh, that's exactly what's happened remember Secretary Mayorkas said last you know, when he touched fight last time for the Congress, those who don't follow the, what he calls the legal pathway, which is not legal, but he says those that don't use the CBP1 app will be, be turned around and sent back. That is not happening. I've talked to several chief patrol agents on the southern border as, you know, right now they're stationed on the southern border, chief patrol agents who said they've been instructed to process and release their instructions right now, process as quick as possible, release as quick as possible. So they try to prevent overcrowding. The problem is so many are coming. They can't prevent the overcrowding, especially when smaller stations like in Eagle Pass, that isn't built for these type of numbers. Overcrowding is, is happening 24-7. Um,
2: I saw the news, and we talked about it yesterday, Tom, with 500,000 basically Venezuelans getting work permits as long as they were in the country before July 31st of this year. When you see that, you've seen how word spreads to different countries about what is and what is not possible. I don't see how this doesn't lead to hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Venezuelans deciding to make the trip to the United States, seeing that as almost an open invitation. Based on your experience, how do you think a decision like that by the Biden administration will be received, and what is the impact in Venezuela?
6: That decision is catastrophic. It's going to cost more people to come out. The, you know, the secretaries out the U.S. well, they're not here by a certain date. They're not going to get to work on station. But that doesn't matter for number one, they're going to try to apply for it fraudulently. And besides, you have now shown that if you get, if, if you get uh, it's, uh, the population that you've been getting, that you're going to change the rules of temporary protective status and open up to half a million more. So more people are going to come, and, and they're going to enter the country legally, and they're going to wait for you to do it again. That's what the cartels do. They, they watch the actions of this administration. They sell it. So they'll say, well, they extended TPS for half a million right now. We'll keep shoving them down the border, and they'll have to do it again. There's no consequence. There's no deterrence. And what they did yesterday, just throw gas on an open fire. It's going to have a severe negative consequences on the border. More are going to come because of that announcement.
5: So, Tom, um, when you look at what's happening in, in New York with these uh, migrant processing centers, which seem a lot like, refugee camps to me i mean i've seen refugee camps in other parts of the world and it's very similar people that are not there legally who are claiming that they have to be there as refugees and they're being processed fed housed etc um this problem looks like it's it's only going to continue and so what does that mean for the the men and women of of border patrol and and ice priorities because it, it feels like right now it's not about enforcement of the law it's about creating a conveyor belt for more illegals to come into the country
6: that's exactly what's happened. So border patrol, they can't do their job. They can't do the national security job. In most sectors right now, set up to seventy percent, seven out of ten agents have been pulled off patrol to process, prepare meals, make hospital runs, make airport runs. Only thirty percent of uniform officers are, are still on the line patrolling. So they're not able to do their mission. ICE is the same reason. ICE is now arresting criminal aliens throughout the country in public safety threat because a big part of their organization now down in the southern border helping to processes. Historic crisis. So, neither agency is, is getting to do the national security work they should be doing. And, and people need to remember you can call them asylum seekers. Okay, I guess technically you can call them asylum seekers, but here's what they need to understand. Over the last 10 years, you look at the immigration court data, it shows this that nearly 9 out of 10 people who claim asylum at our border never get relief from those courts because they don't qualify or they don't show up. And they simply don't qualify because most of these people a vast majority are not escaping fear and persecution from their home government because of race, religion and political affiliation. They're coming here for a job. They're coming here for a better life. And I get that. But that don't qualify for asylum. So people need to understand, 9 out of 10 of these people are committing asylum fraud. 9 out of 10 will get ordered removed, whether they show up in court or not, they'll get ordered absentia. And they're not leaving. Because the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report, the Secretary's very own report, says that if you're a family group, you lose your case, you leave 6% of the time. So people need to understand, not only man's coming in, they're not leaving.
2: I think that's super important because there are different aspects of illegal immigration, I'm sure, that you've seen over your career, Tom. And it used to be a lot of that was Mexico-based, but it would be seasonal, right? People may come to the United States to work, to make money, and then they would go back home, and then they would go back and forth. In other words, they weren't becoming necessarily all the time permanent residents of the United States. They maintained those connections to Mexico so many of the people that are coming now are coming from so far away that they're never going to leave. Venezuelans, the, the work that they have to put in to get to the United States, it's not like they can easily just go back to Venezuela and go back and forth between the two, right? I think that's very important to understand how the shifting tides of illegal immigration has changed in a big way. There used to be people who wanted to go back and forth. Now, basically, to your point, everybody's here and they're never leaving.
6: Exactly. There's two reasons. Number one, right, the, the fugitive docket is, you know, in the million. So, like I said, 90% of these people lose their case. They're in the wind. And they're in the wind. They're hiding out. Why? Because they're going to wait around for the next amnesty to come. Oh, they're going to have a U.S. citizen kid or two. Then then even Republicans, when I was an ICE director, even Republican senators would call me, why did you, you deport that guy? He's got two U.S.C. kids. Well, he didn't have two U.S.C. kids when he came to the country legally. He didn't yeah. have two U.S.C. kids when he ordered to move. Now, because he has USC kids, he's immune from the laws. If the immigration court, if the judge's order don't mean anything, they shut down immigration courts. But you are right. Back in my day, in the 80s, I, I, 99.9% of everybody arrested was a Mexican national. We, we had them back in Mexico within a half hour. But now it's, 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 it's 171 different countries. Aliens have been arrested by the Border Patrol this year. And some of these countries have no relationship with us, like China. When I was Ice Director, we, we, China wouldn't take back their nationals. They refused, and right now Venezuela is not going to take back their nationals. When, when President Trump was in power when I was judge director, El Salvador wouldn't take back MS-13 members until President Trump called them and demanded they take them back or they lose their international aid. So, you know, not only are these people hiding out waiting for the next giveaway program, but a lot of these countries do not cooperate with us to take back the nationals that are citizens of their nation.
5: Tom, i, I got to ask. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of curious about what happens – when someone eventually gets into the immigration court who says that they're an asylum seeker in this process and and they don't get asylum is am I right in thinking there's another there's a separate uh, deportation hearing I mean basically of the people that aren't going to get asylum which is almost all of them what percentage are actually going to be deported.
6: Well, as I said, if you look at the immigration court data the last decade, nine out of ten of the people come across the border will be ordered deported, either in absentia because they didn't show up in court or in person. Nine out of
5: ten. Right, look but, how, but I mean, how it. many of that nine out of ten actually get deported? Uh, I,
6: if it's a family group, 6%. If they're a single adult, uh, 11%. If they're, if, they're, if they're a UAC, 3%. So very very few ever get deported because we're in the wind. These
5: people. Don't that, have to that's the that's the important data. data. I mean, that's what I think people because because you know Tom, the whole game here they play is oh they're just waiting for their day in court. Well, it doesn't matter how the day in court goes because they're not going to get deported anyway.
6: Well, here's 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 what people need to understand. If they were in detention, if they end catch and release and actually detain them in an ICE facility, they would get a hearing within 35 days. Then they can be removed. But the administration knows this, the administration knows nine out of ten will fail based on immigration court data. And they also know according to Homeland Security Lifestock Report, if they're not detained, only six percent leave. That's why they're not detaining them. That's why they're releasing them. They know most will get ordered deported, but if they're not detention, they're not leaving. This is why this catch and release. That's why this is why ice beds sit empty, already paid for by the taxpayer, why they pay NGOs in New York five hundred bucks a night for an alien. This is the whole reason they're doing it because they don't want them to leave.
2: Tom, how much would things change in your opinion if we had a real debate in the United States about birthright citizenship? What you just talked about, the challenge becomes many of these people are going to come here. They're going to have kids. Those kids then become United States citizens. Obviously jobs okay. are a huge incentive. How would it, how much do you think it would change the game if you couldn't become a United States citizen merely by being born on United States soil?
6: It would be a game-changer. It would, because, look, in Yuma, Arizona, just last month, Yuma, Arizona Hospital, every maternity bed day was taken by illegal and it came across the border. A U.S. citizen mother wanted to give birth in Yuma, or in the vicinity of Yuma, they had to travel an hour, an hour and a half to another hotel. Look, when, when, we went, when I was when I was uh, number three at ICE, Jay Johnson was a secretary. We went to the family operation. These families got order removed. We went and looked for them. Do you know that over 40% of those families, those women, were already pregnant or had a U.S. citizen child? Uh, that they recently gave birth to. This like people say, well, illegal aliens don't take you know social services, they don't take welfare. Wrong. As soon as they have a United States citizen child, they qualify for all of that, and and they use it for number one. If people call them anchor babies, call it what you want. But if they have a U.S. citizen child, it, it is it is another appeal, another way to draw out the immigration process. Saying you got a U.S. citizen child and he, and he can petition for the mother or father. It just creates a whole mess. And, and, and like I said, when I was vice director, even even some Republicans you know, didn't want people to be removed that had uh, a U.S. citizen child after they got here illegally. I and mean, here's a problem. If the immigration court, if the judge doesn't matter, if, this, if his decisions don't matter after spending billions of dollars on due process, then what the hell are we doing? Shut down the immigration court. The judge's order needs to mean something. There needs to be consequences and deterrence to bad behavior, illegal behavior. We need to stick by it.
5: Tom Holman, former Director of Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. Uh, Tom, appreciate the expertise, and uh, we'll have you back talk about this issue as it continues.
6: Okay, you take care, sir. I appreciate it.
5: Weekends are perfect opportunities for gun owners to get to the range. Nothing takes the place of practice and the familiarity you get with your firearm when you're actually, you know, out on the range using it. But what can you do between range visits so that you keep your skills sharp and, in fact, get a little better? Well, dry-fire practice with the Mantis X system. This is what so many gun owners have started to do. The Mantis X is a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your firearm like a weapon light, and it connects to your phone and the Mantis X app. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback on your technique, tells you how you're performing and improving, particularly with the feedback the app gives you. If you're like most new Mantis X users, You're going to experience improvement within the first 20 minutes of using it. The Mantis X is a must-have for every gun owner. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com.
2: You know them as conservative radio hosts. Now just get to know them as guys on the Sunday Hang Podcast with Clay and Buck. Find it in their podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast.
1: I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.
0: More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts.
5: Welcome back in, everybody. We've got uh, some VIP mail to get to. We're about to. We've also got um, some phone calls in here. Here we go, Sandy in in Memphis, Memphis, Hi, Texas. Cl- hey
2: Clay, is that? Hi Bob. Is... Um,
6: have a question for you guys. Why doesn't Texas and Governor Abbott
0: say, you know what? We're not going to process these people, but what Biden's doing is
2: against the law. We're going to send these people back, and if you guys have a problem with it, take us to the Supreme Court. And meanwhile, they're not coming into our country. We're getting rid
6: of them, and put the game on them, and ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And get rid of these people. This is ridiculous.
5: I mean, the the situation right now, uh, Sandy, thank you for calling in. And I just learned, I Clay, did you know there was a Memphis, Texas? I just learned that one. There I was, did
2: not. I did not know there was there a Memphis, Texas. There is a Texas.
5: Memphis, Texas. Um, so the, the situation is that the federal government, it's not just that it refuses help on the immigration issue. It refuses to allow states to help themselves on the immigration issue. And you see that in Texas where they're cutting razor wire, removing the barriers, and if Texas... Look, immigration is ultimately a federal government issue, right? Entering the United States, immigration is a federal government issue. If Texas decided that it was going to start doing this, you would just have immediately the Biden administration would go to federal judge. And they've done this. I mean, this is what this is the practice. And they say, no, 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 that's not your role. You can't usurp that from the federal government, even if what you're doing is helping the federal government mission, because. That's not under a Democrat, the federal government mission. The mission is to keep an open border.
2: I remember this. The United States government is suing Texas for putting barriers up to make it harder to get into the United States. I, I, to her point, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, has tried to do everything that he can to stem the flow of illegal immigrants into the country. And I give him some credit because, remember, a lot of people said, oh, that's not going to have any impact. Just by putting some... I mean, remember, New York City is dealing with a pinprick of the illegal immigrants that Texas is. And it's basically brought the city's budget to its knees. Chicago, pinprick. Washington, D.C., pinprick. All it takes is a tiny percentage of the people that Texas deals with on a day-to-day basis to bring these sanctuary cities to their knees in terms of their ability to handle the flow of illegal immigration. And I think what's happening here is you're seeing a fracturing of the Democrat base here. Because, Buck, what have we played so much of? I mean, if you're uh, a, a a black person living in uh, in New York City, for instance, historically you have voted Democrat, but suddenly you're looking around. Your kids' schools are being inundated with illegal immigrants. Your parks are being filled with illegal immigrant camps. Your kids can't play soccer. Or baseball or basketball in the parks because the parks have been taken over by illegal immigrants and your tax dollars are going to subsidize this. And you're saying this is not right. And I think this is why you're starting to see, uh, this collapse. I mean, even Eric Adams basically is calling out the Biden administration here. And I think you're starting to see a fracturing of the Democrat base because this is wildly unpopular even with Traditional Democrat voters—they see how wrong this is.
5: I hope so. I do think this is the most important policy issue right now in the country. I think it affects uh, our—it affects obviously the rule of law. It affects uh, safety and security along the border. It affects the fentanyl crisis, uh, the the economy, especially the localized economy when you look at places like New York and Chicago. And and this is massive. And the Democrats—they got—they've got nothing on this one. Play. I mean, they they do not have an answer to how are you going to stop this because they fundamentally don't want to stop it.
2: No doubt. And by the way, that's Memphis, Tennessee. Our esteemed caller screeners told us Memphis, Texas. It's actually, Memphis, Tennessee. So there may not be a Memphis, Texas. Button. No, it, says, there's, the it says there speech. is
5: on Wikipedia. Wikipedia says Memphis, Three, Texas. Seven, seven,